Then I stop. Cheers to episode 34. Cheers to Cheers. episode 34. Cheers. Episode 34. 3 4. Mm. Water. Water. <laughs> nothing. I have nothing. August 17th. Evan, I think there's some crickets going on in your background that were distracting me. What do you want him to do? Go beat the crickets? That's ours. It's Evans. Mute yourself for a second. Let me see. No, it's 100% mine. (laughs) The windows are open. What do you want me to do? No, it's too quiet. No, he muted himself. He told me to mute myself to see whose it was. It's you, confirmed. What do you want me to do? Ask producer Grant. I don't know. Just closing the window make it too hot in the room. I mean, I could try. Give me a second. I don't want him to be sweating. Crazy the crickets weren't there during the first interview. You hear them now, though. I do hear them. Maybe they were there. I just didn't know. They weren't. Maybe we were so nervous. From that window, you think? I guess so. I was thinking, like, on top of your laptop. It felt like they were right there, didn't it? I don't hear them. I don't hear them. Oh, and that one. Balls. Oh my gosh, he's gonna be so sweaty. I, feel, I, mean, I, I don't hear him. I don't hear him though. No, it's okay. Can you hear the fan going? No. I can hear it. We'll grind through this. All right. Yeah, we'll speed round. Okay, I'm gonna sort of start from the top. I'll do the cheers this time. Cheers to yeah, episode 34. 34. Cheers. Cheers. No drink for me. Water. Water. Got to hydrate for this weekend, boys. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. Can't relate. Um, today is August 17th. It is 7.26 p.m. And I'm ready to run through a brick wall after talking to Frank Garza for 30 minutes. Agreed. Fantastic interview. Guys, you put energy into your soul, and I think it's much needed. Yeah. I think energy and soul are great words to describe that interview. Yeah. And toughness and grit. Gritty. Pride. Humbled. Humbled. Grateful. Yep. Thankful. Good stuff. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. We have, before I lose it. You think you should say the year when you give the date of our shows? Are you assuming this podcast is going to make it to 2022? I do. I think All right. Yeah, I mean, I can't. It's August 17th, 2021. Thank you. Just in case, like, five years from now, someone just sees our podcast. They're like, you know, I'm going to go all the way back. I'd love to know. What happened on August 17th, 2021? We talked to Frank Garza. Yeah. And uh, normally I would be like, don't skip ahead. But if you like, I wouldn't blame you if you're so eager, beaver to go listen to that. Just, just skip ahead and come back to this because it was awesome. And it might get you in the right frame of mind for the rest of this episode. You'll want to suit up for sure. What do you mean? Like put on fancy clothes or you mean like play basketball? Suit up in a basketball uniform. Oh, what else? Would I, I knew that. I was just trying to be that guy. You were just trying to make me look bad. You're not that guy, pal. Thank you. Um, how was everyone's week? Which is a big question, a loaded question, because it's been two weeks since we've convened. Because although, again, behind the curtain, we did release a podcast that was, as they say, one in the chamber that we had ready to go for a rainy day. So you don't have to go think back to the two weeks, but you can I'm not if you going want. to. Um, What's new? What's on your mind? Last week, I... I'm trying to think what happened, but I think the main reason I can't remember anything is because uh, the power went out, I think, Tuesday, Wednesday? Wednesday night, almost Thursday morning. Nasty little storm. And then all the, after that, it was just like, well. A blur. Yeah. Thursday, I just sat here and did nothing. I mean, there I couldn't do anything. 
I couldn't be on my phone too much because they would have died. What no, did no you TV. do? I never I even asked you because I, I went back home. Went to the gym. I had an eye appointment. I got Taco Bell because, you know, can't cook anything. Planet Fitness and Taco Bell's power were on. Yeah. What a world. And then I uh, I came back here. I ate Taco Bell by myself at the kitchen table. <laughs> and I just kind of sat around. And I went to bed at like 9 o'clock. You go to the bathroom that night? Did I go to the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Taco Bell. I mean. No, not like that. Oh. It's like wet pee, you know. Oh, don't get too graphic, bro. Ew. And then uh, this weekend I went to a wedding on Saturday. Nice. It was, I don't know. My takeaway from weddings is that they're slightly overrated. Wow. But it was a lot of fun. Yikes. And uh, yeah, it was good. Um. You want to save the golf update for when Evans or uh, I can talk about my golf. I prefer you wait. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, got out of the car. Where are you guys at with your with that league? Both of us are not winning. Final week is next week. Final okay, yeah. Final week. Hopefully, we're playing each other. That Feels way. like you guys That'll started that league like a year ago. Yeah, it's been a long. It's time. a journey. So basically, I got out of the car. Usually, I get to sit down, relax, you know, talk to my friends, Evan for the round but for some reason uh, my partner aka father garrett decided he wanted to just go right onto the course and play immediately like i just got out of the car got in the car went to play a par three as a warm-up no oh, real oh. just went for it no nothing and i wasn't happy about it didn't let it get to me on the first hole made par and then i hit a terrible tee shot on the next hole which is also a par three and then I just mentally imploded. I got super angry and I just didn't talk to him for those two holes because then after we finished those three holes, because we started on seven, we then had to wait another half hour before we could start again. So I basically had to do the whole process twice, which led to a pretty bad round. 40s? Oh, yeah. High 40s? No. but 50? No, not high 40s. <laughs> mid, mid to low. But either way. It wasn't a good round. Finished with the birdie, though, and I'm leading the birdie race. That's all that matters. Is it all? Okay. Well, when you can't win the league, I would want to win something. So most birdies is something. I think you get something for it. All right. Um, my last two weeks were weddings both weekends. I think I'm done with weddings for the summer. I think I steered clear of that. There shouldn't be any in the fall because if you have fall weddings, you're a psychopath. There's college football on to be I think watched. I have a few to go to in the fall. Yikes. Well, if I know those people personally, I might walk back my psycho comment, but like I do firmly believe like that's just aggressive. I don't I don't know the people, so I don't think you okay. do. Well, that's good. Psychos. Um, college football needs to be watched on Saturdays in the fall. And then had an eye appointment, found out my left eye's gotten worse and my right eye's gotten worse. So we're up to four seventy-five contacts in both eyes, boys. Nice. So we are pretty blind. You're just below me. I'm worse still. Oh. One up my one up my eye damage, I guess. <laughs> Both equally bad. Um, and then yeah, the power. I uh, spent last night cleaning out a pretty disgusting fridge. There was some weird combination of blueberry juice and deer meat juice in our freezer that I was kind of scrubbing out. And then uh, there was some stinky salmon. So threw that away. Um, power outages aren't fun. I don't ever want to deal with it again. Where did the salmon come from? Oh, I want to like. The trifecta meals with salmon. 
stanky. Not free advertising. And now there's like standing water in one jar of our fridge because it put ice in there. We put ice in it to try to save it because we thought maybe it will only last a day. The power outage lasted four to five days. And you cannot pull that drawer out because of terrible engineering within our kitchen. Can't open the fridge door. Whereas the door doesn't go far enough because it runs into the sink. And therefore, that drawer is permanently stuck in the bottom right corner with water that we're going to have to scoop out one day. Terrible design. First world problems. Could be worse. Not complaining. We just talked to Frank Garza. It's awesome. Evan, your week. Brighten it up. Make it better. My week. Let's see. I don't remember what I did last weekend. The weekend before Those last? are usually the best weekends. Yeah, not like a couple days. I'm talking about like nine days. So nine you days. had like that legendary kind of weird Taco Bell Tesla experience. And then the week after that would be what you're trying to remember. What wedding were you at off topic last weekend? What was I doing? Alex, we went to Eagle Eye. You guys did yeah, a golf trip. We played golf. That's right on brand. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I forgot that. I forgot we went. I mean, I did too. Super nice course. Highly recommend. Yeah. I mean, you have to yeah, I mean, spend a little bit of money. But bring your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> pretty nice. Bring your wallet is for sure. Or your I bank. Play, I played Eagle Eye last, so two Saturdays. So last Saturday, two Saturdays ago, however you want to word it. Mm-hmm. Um, I housed that. Again. For Greg again. Shout out um, Greg. And then this past week or two weeks ago. Yeah, I had uh, baseball tryouts. This is a time um, machine. Not right my now. team, but you know, I was like helping run it. You know, try to pick rosters, cut little kids. Uh, huh? You have to cut little kids. I didn't have to personally do it. I had to like watch it like unfold. You know, what I mean, it's difficult decisions, man. Never easy. <laughs> nope, it's not. Phone calls are the worst. Um, this past weekend, saw you. Um, played golf Friday night. Played golf Saturday. Uh, you guys did some glow in the dark Friday thing, right? night. I did. I went to the local watering hole with Evan on Friday. Yep. Friday night. Yeah. yeah. I woke up Saturday on like four hours of sleep. So I had to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. A little hungover. Um, you didn't seem too bad. Yeah. I wasn't. I just woke up with a massive headache. And I think it was like four hours of sleep. And I just, ugh, rough, rough work day. Um, and then Lee yesterday. Uh, I would just say that we took points, and that's all that matters because we also took my score that. and my partner score, Drew's score, we were bad. I mean, we I don't think I hit like a couple of good shots in the mouth. Do you want to talk about? I don't think I did. Drew's whole one. You want to shout him out for <laughs> whole mean, one? Was it bad? I mean, sure. twelve good. Uh, you guys just did him like that. Twelve good. He he was talking about it. Three out of bounds. <laughs> Not on the most popular podcast in Michigan. So we have like strict rules on uh, league, you know, thanks to my dad and Garrett. Well, and it's uh, just, you know, normal, actual golf rules. True, but some people, you know, kind of cheat. Okay, so if you hit one out of bounds on one, you get to re because it's white snake. So Drew hit one out of bounds, he has to re His second re-shot, so he's hitting three, hits that one out of bounds. So he has to re again. Hitting five. He's hitting five off the tee box. Clubs down, puts one into the fairway. Perfect. So he is lane five, hitting six in the fairway. 250 out, probably. Hits that one out of bounds. Six out So he's hitting eight in the same spot. Uh, yeah. And he took a 12 on the hole. Oh, uh, we lost the first hole. Why? Well, if you remove those out of bounds shots, he probably like would have birdied that thing. 
Here's the thing. Thanks, the Captain Obvious. Drew but he made some good shots. He did the same exact thing as Drew. Piped his first drive out of bounds. Re-tee. Piped his second drive out of bounds. Re-tee. A little bit off the fairway. So his next shot in the fairway, piped that one out of bounds. What he beat Drew by one. He got an 11 and he won the hole. <laughs> so you guys combined as a group on the first hole for something in the 30s, probably. Uh, me and Drew combined for 19. Yep, I had a duff shot and then a really bad putt. What about um, that? What's new? Um, yeah, then 11 and a 6, I think. Yeah, 6. Hey, but Barry, you didn't bury the lead, you said. So you guys points. shot even par you on took the first points. hole as a group. Nice. Yeah, Drew hit his handicap after the first hole. Uh, we did take points. We were adding up thinking that we got we would have lost. No, 16-14. Took points, baby. Bang. That's all that matters. So last week, next week. Yep, and it's yep. matches you up. Position week, um, shout out my dad and Wally versus my brother Hunter and Gino. For the, they for will the be in the championship match. Wow. Now a third place uh, team can always jump in if they take a ton of points and end up winning. It correct. has happened. And the championship match, they're off like, I think Alex, not Alex, uh, Gino and Hunter, I think they have like a point, point and a half lead on my dad and Wally. Very so tough. it's a tight match. Wow. Anybody's game. Ryan and Wally should uh, be talked about. They blew it. They had a ginormous lead a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden, they have lost it with one week to go. I mean, we're talking 30-point lead. Yeah. But Hunter and Gino took like 27 out of 31 weeks. So, whew. That which it like never happens. I'm excited for the update. I really am. Hopefully the fifth and sixth. I hope madness. I hope madness happens. Fourth. I hope the third place team makes a push and it's like a three way, just kind of like check over your shoulder kind of match. So we'll see. Are you guys ready to talk about the the team that Alex is wearing right now? The Lions. Oh yeah. They played for the first time. We got to see Jared Goff. In a Lions uniform on a football field playing for the first time. And that was kind of like my first observation. It's like, oh, similar to when we saw Cade play for the first time in a uniform. It's like, oh, there's Jared Goff. That's what he looks like on the Slinging field. It. Um, so, yeah, this segment will cover our observations kind of from them in the preseason. And then also dive into a little top 25 player list continued. So let's start with the preseason game. Hand up. Admittedly, I did not watch the full thing um, like live. I tried watching some highlights, but you can only gather so much when – when the backups get in, because you really want to see the first quarter. You want to see how the starters look. Two drives, really. Three drives. Yeah, maybe. if you're lucky. And then we lost the game. I don't think that matters. No. What did you, what'd you guys take away from this game? Anything? My first takeaway was uh, seeing all the single-digit numbers on random like defensive players and offensive players was really weird. A little confusing. Jamie Collins wearing that number. He's wearing no six, sense. right? Eight, nine, something like that. Something low. It looked, it looked weird. Slimming. I didn't like it. Um, and then actual football stuff. Mm-hmm. I hate to bash anyone here, but Vitae looked terrible to no surprise. So, you, so now educate me. Did he give up like a sack? Uh, the first drive, he got bullied on the first two plays. And then on the third down, I believe he gave up a sack. Yeah, there was a sack on third down, I guess. And he just did not look good. Just he just looked the same as last year, so that part of the line worries me. Other than that, no. All right, golf looked pretty well. I know he said in the press conference afterwards he kind of just ran basic route trees. He didn't really audible at the line that much. I think Tyrell Williams is going to be our number one wide receiver on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, agree with that. 
Amonra is probably going to play in the slot and be the number one target with our slot. Hawkinson will still be infected, but he didn't you know, play, right? playing time is going to be limited. Um, no Hawkinson and no Perriman? I don't think he played. Swift didn't play. Swift didn't play, no. Swift, yeah. But, and then defense, still a lot of holes. I know some starters didn't play. Uh, but your boy, uh, what's his name? Save his name. Save Kavai? his name, Evan. Yeah, he struggled. Oh, uh, my That's not my guy. Never mind, never mind. Jeff Okuda is what you were on your No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I still question if we'll be able to stop the run a little bit. But other than that, I mean, it's not too, take, not too much to take away from the first preseason game. Uh, second preseason game, probably a little bit more because the starters are going to play a little bit more. Right, I guess that makes um, but sense. But, like, yeah. my biggest takeaway, like Alex said, like, Vitae struggling is going to hurt uh, the whole too well because he's on that right side. And so if you put a rookie in that right tackle, I mean, most teams, they should just blitz that right side and make that guard, Vitae, pick, make the option. So now Sewell's, like, I mean, I just wrote down like, his pro football focus grade from, like, pass grades probably will be low this year because of all the blitzes come to that side. I like that. Get out, you know, get out in front gonna, of it. They're not going to blitz Frank, and they're probably not going to blitz Decker. So now you have to leave a tight end over on that side to help out with blocking. And it's not really Sewell's fault. It's the guard's fault. And then now it's one less pass catcher in the route tree. So we got to sure that up. Um, other than that, Dan Campbell looks so good on the sideline. You know, the more and more clips I see Dan Campbell – like I'm just all in, and if you go back and listen to like our first podcast when we uh, when we hired him, That's I was right. all out. That's right. We, we thought he was. Uh, we thought he was Dwight from the Office. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I said I was out. Um, but you know, he just got something about him that you just like draws you into him. Those intangibles that Frank talks about. Yeah, that's a spoiler. Yes, yeah. Sure, but I think it's more just like. Dan's just like almost like one of us just being like he's the head coach of a football team. He's just like an average dude. Or that. A leader of men. <laughs> um, sure. Let me – I like that because off of – I think I said out loud. I don't know. Probably my dad. I was like, you know, it's just so refreshing to see Dan on the sidelines instead of Matt Patricia. Like yes. on a completely just superficial basic having like a head coach that's like in shape and not looking disgusting like there is something <laughs> to be said where like i like the leaders of the organization to look like they take care of their own body like steve eiserman looks sharp he knows how to dress he's like you can go across the board like guys that look sharp you just like trust them more bob craft bob craft does have really nice dress shirts yes he always looks like well put together bill belichick Football's a little different with head coaches. They can kind of get away with it. You know what I'm – Andy Reid? I think you know what I'm saying, though. Andy Reid has his own swag. He's got that Hawaiian shirt swag. He can, he can present himself. Bad take. What? Well, I just named a bunch of examples without even thinking. Andy Reid has – I'm saying Andy Reid has a look, though. I don't. You think, said Matt Patricia looked disgusting, to quote you. He did. Does he not? Did he not? Does Andy Reid look beautiful? He looks better, I think, than Patricia because he has, like, that Hawaiian shirt, like, dad vibe. Like – Patricia wore bed sheets <laughs> and a pencil in his ear when he had laminated play sheets. Like he just didn't look like he, had he nice knew facial hair. What he was, did he? Something he did not have nice facial hair. He trimmed it up for like when he got hired. He trimmed it up for like the first game, and after that he just let it go. And it was 
Like when I remember when he, Patricia he dressed look, up, he didn't look professional. When, the when Patricia dressed up for whatever's like press conference, he looked so uncomfortable and like I, I don't know. I I didn't want to trash on Patricia's appearance. I'm more like I like seeing Dan. He looks like a football coach. He makes me feel more comfortable when I'm watching the game. Um, player wise, I I did watch like I keyed in on Sewell's uh, first couple reps on like the YouTube highlights. I think on that third down play you talked about Alex, he did kind of get blown back and it collapsed. But then after that, he kind of held his own more, which I like to see, like adjusting to how strong these defensive linemen are going to be. The name that I kind of got eager at that I thought everyone was going to say is my guy, Julian Okora, with a nice-looking sack there later in the game. Now maybe he's not going against the ones, but the way he came off that edge that fast, those intangibles, that's what I envisioned when I gave him the bump on the top 25 list to kind of crack that. Because he was like a third round pick, I believe, just has had a lot of injuries in the day, and I think he's still—it's only his second year, right? And you people forget about that; they've already written him off, you know. And yeah. his, he's got brother there to overshadow him, but like, don't sleep on Julian Aquara. He looked good and made a play. Um, and Amandra St. Brown, like, just love seeing him on a football field, as I'm sure Evan could agree. Had a catch, right? I believe he did. Yeah, I think he snapped off yes, a little uh, out route that looked really crisp. Caught it. Um, that's pretty much it for that. And he returned kicks. He's he's big on special teams. Uh, he's gonna he's fighting for that as well, which I love. He's just ready to get after it. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. Have you guys seen any more training camp stuff that caught your eye? I feel like it's the buzz starts to die down a little bit as the games actually start because we kind of we don't need to look at training camp as much on that we have games. Did you guys see anything from that? The only thing I've seen is got a lot of injuries. Yes, I did notice that. Um, Deshaun Hand looks like he suffered from something. I, I am. Have to still I'm worried about the groin. Groins are not fun injuries, and they usually lead to other leg injuries. Uh, so I really need Swift for my 1,000 yard rushing prediction to backup have, QBs hurt. I don't like our kicker situation. I'll be honest with that. Kickers not good. Apparently, I feel bad about our We're kicker already situation. One. Um, I don't know. That's pretty much it. The positives like Hawkinson. Everyone said he looks great. He came in on the NFL Network Top 100. I was a little surprised. Wow. 91, I think, or something like that. And then there was an Inside the Den episode. I don't really remember a ton from it, to be honest with you. But there was some clips that, on Evan's point again, that like just make me like Dan Campbell more. I think just the way... Oh, no. Inside the Den. Duh. I was blown away. I loved how competitive our coaching staff is. I think oh, we have like the, one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL, and they haven't like really proven much altogether. But like the way, like they, I almost thought they were the players. Like the way they were going after each other in practice and making it so competitive. Like I want to beat your unit, and I think like if you're a player, that has to be so contagious. Like maybe you're out there, you're like, oh, I'm making ten million dollars a year, like whatever. This is a practice on Tuesday in Allen Park. I'd rather be out, and I don't know some fancy Greek town restaurant in Detroit, like not here, anywhere but here on a lake. But then you have those coaches that care that much wanting to beat each other that has to rub off on you and make you want to practice harder. I was jazzed up watching it. Great. Deuce action. Daly. At, yeah, and Aaron awesome. Glenn is like the kind of like sneaky, like a little bit. He's like, he's shorter uh, than most of the coaches. Like Deuce Daly is an intimidating guy, but Aaron Glenn's going after it too. I love that. Yeah. No, Even I Mark Brunell. I didn't see that from Mark Brunell kind of getting after it there spoke, too. really. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I like how it seems like even in practice, I feel like golf is hands-on with uh, Anthony Lynn and like 
making sure the practice plan is right, script is right. They showed a little bit clip of like the backup QB was in and Goff was sitting right next to Lynn and they were just discussing, I think, the play. So you see that communication in the first year, you like to see it happening. And I think, believe it is. And I feel like Goff, I don't want to say he's going to, but it seems like Goff is going to have a big say in the offense and what's going to be run more than like expected. Um, just because he is like the quarterback that they, we brought in and it's, Anthony has experience, but he's like the new offensive coordinator. So I feel like those two have to agree if our offense wants to score points. And also just – Which it might not. Right. And imagine, like, how good it has to feel. And I'm assuming some things. I'm just reading between tea leaves of reporters from around the NFL who basically said, like, Sean McVay was like a babysitter to Jared Goff or like, hey, just get the line early and I'll just signal into play and do all the reads for you in a sense. Like, that's like kind of what people have assumed from it like it's gonna feel so good for jared to be in detroit now and have like that say with anthony lynn and i think that's why evan you see him so invested in like the practice plans and like how this is gonna look because he's like this is probably so fun like i'm actually like my voice is actually heard and i'm appreciated whereas he just came from a team that like publicly just didn't want anything to do with him anymore very publicly and very messy so very public so i think he's just probably grateful more than anything and kind of speaking of Jared Goff, I'm a little curious here. Does he make, drumroll, does he make anyone's top 25 player list this week? 15 through 11 is this week. I wouldn't call you crazy if you did. I don't know. Um, I don't know who wants to start. I'd like to not start because I kind of talked about first. before. I don't have my full list made. And I know uh, I made fun of you guys for not having your full list made. Which there's pros and cons. Of us for having for, for having your fullest made. I kind of wish I did, but also Evan. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. It would have happened no matter what. It's not related to having the list made. But looking back at the list now, um, poor one out for Don Moback. Um, he got cut on his birthday. This league is doesn't care about your emotions and feelings. It's a business, and he did make Evan's top twenty-five list, which I don't think you should have regrets about. It just that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Kind of a surprise, I would say, right? No, ah, he's pretty old. He's old, but like he's a—it's a long snapper. Like, was he messing up that bad? It's probably expensive at this point. Remember, we drafted a long snapper once with Quinn. It was like two years ago. <laughs> First year, <drafting. laughs> Bro, and it wasn't even like the last round. It was fifth round pick. <laughs> that was, that's Taylor. a nightmare. <laughs> we had fifteen. We are starting on fifteen. Yeah, another side note, like I'm so jazzed up to get my St. Brown jersey. I went to the Lions official website for like to see what they had. They have so many players on here that don't deserve jerseys. I don't know what they're doing. They get to name them. Who? Do you want to find out who has jerseys and they shouldn't have jerseys on here? (laughs) Derek Barnes. He's a rookie. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm not buying that. The Punter Fox. Well, Well, he was an all pro. That's leading into something here soon. (laughs) Oh, shit. Quintez Cephas. You like him. He could be nice. Top 25 list. He has a jersey. Galladay's still on here. <laughs> um, one of our backup up offensive line in Nelson. He's like, huh? Wait, what? I don't even know. There's a guy with it, number 67, Nelson. Matt Nelson? Ever heard of him? Exactly. That's uh, bananas. Penasini. No. Tavai. Yes, stud. <laughs> You can buy a Tavai jersey, but you can't buy I mean, I wouldn't buy one it. of the best rookies. All right. 
You can buy a you can buy a Fells jersey. You can buy a Darren Fells jersey. You can buy a backup Tim Boyle jersey. I'm gonna get my list now. This is ridiculous. Yeah, you lost me at Tim Boyle. That is that is too many. You can buy Vitae. I would love to Alex. see the sales numbers on those jerseys Vitae at the end sucks. of the year. You know, like what? How many? Like Tim Boyle jerseys, like two. It's a very popular backup. Vitae jerseys. False. Ten. Number fifteen on my list. Okay. <laughs> yep. Is wide receiver Brashad Harriman. Was his jersey on there, Evan? No, it was not. All right. I think I'm looking back. I had him at 17. Um, anything like to say about him other than he won me a fantasy trophy one year? I was going to say won you a fantasy trophy. I'm still upset about that, but I hope he has productive season. I think he'll be our deep ball guy. That's yeah. what he's kind of known for. Father played we're, in the league. We're not deep at receiver. His dad played for the Lions, right? I believe so. Yes. Hometown favorite. We're a bad team. Someone has to be 15. <laughs> Evan, I'm going to kick it to you. I'm still scrambling. 15 for my list is Emmanuel Warrior, cornerback oh, from Penn State. I, I have it at 16. Um, yes. he's, <laughs> nice. He's lengthy. He's athletic. Yes. Um, he plays more than Akuda did last year because he was kind of better than him. He was healthy. Um, he was better than him, though. He was purely just healthy. Big 10 corners. Mm. Mm. Um, so I feel like he's going to have a big role with a new defensive system, new defensive backs coach. Uh, he's only going to get better because we're not going to be playing man-to-man nonstop. Great, great pick, Adam. Great Thank choice. you. Um, I just want to make a list. If I make some mistakes here, Looking back, like I don't, I wouldn't love that this is held against me here. Um, I have a lot. This is gonna be defensive heavy. I'm just looking at my list, and they're all kind of the same tier for me. I would say so. Don't be like, oh, if one's one spot ahead of a guy, like, oh, he's so much better. It's like, no, they're don't all. Give this, all these disclaimers. Give your list tier. with pride and passion. I'm gonna start 15 with Jamie Collins. I'm gonna do that That's because bad. you guys all think he's. You I'm with. I haven't had it. Not even. What, like 25th? Then you already have I haven't him. said his name yet. No, oh, I haven't said I his name I thought you yet. had someone like that already earlier. Oh, I thought you did. Are you no. sure? Are you sure? Yes. Dang it. Well, him being, him, him being 15th was solely based on Evan's negativity towards him in the past that I've heard. So I felt like of the defensive guys I'm listing that I'd put him there. But I kind of feel bad about it. I'm actually changing it. No, no. Changing you, it. I didn't. I had Trey Flowers at 19 for oh, me. Oh, that was it. That's who I have at 15 now, Trey Flowers. <laughs> Are you just making a list based on Evan's opinions? No. I, well, on this pick, yes. This is one of the softer yeah. things you've ever done. No, no, no. I, I have this all is these, unbelievable. Listen, I have all three of these. You lost to, all credibility with this list. With stop. Just I have all three I'm of not these, even listening anymore. I have all three of these players in the same bucket, and I knew Evan had talked poorly about one of them. And I was like, I am going to ride that. For my 15th, because I really don't see that much of a difference between these guys. All right, my turn, 14. And my hand was not off the chess piece yet. I'm allowed no, to change. Snake, Alex. Snake. No, we're it's... not snaking. We don't have to snake. Oh. Four, yes, 14. Selfishly. Selfishly, because I want to think more. With safety, Tracy Walker. One sec. Trey Flowers only had two sacks last year, so now the stats also back that up. But you also make your list based on what you think will happen. Yep. And the most he's ever had. The seven, which is, really, I would take that. Good, yeah. But he hasn't been the same since leaving New England, as they say. All right. Tracy Walker comes in at four. Yeah, we have 14. 14 yep. for me. 
Uh, hard-hitting safety, loves to tackle. The hardest hidden safety in the league. Needs to get better at coverage, but I like what he brings to the table with everything else, and he's very athletic. Is that his weak link, the coverage? I would say so. Got good I'm, hands I'm, I'm genuinely asking. He's, I know he's good at tackling, and he would be like a pro bowler if he was good at coverage, I assume. All right. He had a down year in tackles last year, but COVID doesn't count. Really? Save that for college football. Still play the games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Evan, Damn. 14. All right, 14. Jonah Jackson. <laughs> Wait, what did you start? Alex yells. Jonah Jackson. 14. I have Jonah Jackson. Wow. High praise um, for Jonah. Some might say it's a little too high for him, but I, like I say, it. you know, the Warriors' strength is. Warriors' greatest strength is Warriors standing next to him, and he's in between Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker, so it only makes him look better. Wait, what, when you're what, was that quote? What, what was that quote you dropped in there about Warriors? The Warriors' greatest strength is the Warriors standing next to him. That's nice. I like that. You've never heard, never that. heard that before. No wonder I'm so weak because I'm sitting next to Alex. You live under a rock? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I may have heard it, but it just dropped out of nowhere. Okay. Man, you're ruining this yes. podcast. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so at left guard, um, you know, he's a late-round pick from Ohio State, and he played pretty well stepping in, starting for majority of the games. And I think he'll only get improved with the new scheme, uh, new run scheme. Uh, and when you have DeAndre Swift behind you, it makes you look good. And then when you have Taylor Decker and Frank right now, like I said, next to you, pretty easy job. Don't disagree. I had him at uh, 17, I think. So he's like in the opposite situation of Sewell in a way, next yeah, to Vi Ty over there. He's with people that are good. Oh. All right. To you, Grant, fourteen. To me. You gonna ask Evan what you should say? Nope. I'm going to take a guy who I've seen play a few times here and there, and I just remember the name and I remember him making some nice plays and the LA Rams. I'm gonna go with Michael Brockers here at fourteen. Similar kind of position here on the defense. Is Mr. Flowers, where they're going to be getting to the quarterback as their main job. Um, he had five sacks last year, is kind of which is a little bit high for him. He's more of like a kind of big body run stuffer, but can get to the get to the quarterback. Um, and I think he's going to have a bigger role here in Detroit. Now, some could say maybe the production will go down because you don't have an Aaron Donald taking all that attention uh, away from him. But I think maybe his snaps will go up and he'll have more chances to get on the field. So I like Michael Brockers here at 14. How was that? Solid. It's a good take. I haven't a little. Spoilers. Well, if I haven't said him yet, he's obviously in the top 25. Well, back to you. Will he go now? No. Uh, 13. I have potentially the most important player on the Lions. Wait a second. Especially when. At 13? When your offense is so terrible, you got to win the field position battle. Jared Goff? Hunter Jack Fox. Oh, okay. All pro punter, you know, better than Sam Martin, you could argue. Lions are known for just having great punters, and the guy deserves some respect. He deserves to be in the top 15 on this list, so he comes in for me at 13. You know, when you punt a lot, you have opportunity to absolutely something sets. Very important job when you punt and go three and out almost every drive. I respect it. Well, he'll get more practice this year than ever, so good for him. Yep, that's why I say uh, 13 for me is Jamie Collins, uh, led the team in tackles last year, kind of forced into it. Somebody had to tackle somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's a little slow for a middle linebacker. It'd be interesting what position he plays in the new 3-4 defense, kind of. He covers okay. Um, but 
I mean, I guess he covers okay. He's still too slow for my liking. Where's the bad um, number now? But, you know, he, you're running out of guys at this time because there's not many left. So I have Jimmy Collins at 13. <laughs> this is so tough to make a list of good players on a just bad team. It's just hard. 13, Jamal Williams. Oh, bad. That's terrible. Um, he's going to be our backup running back, but backup can be used lightly because I do expect him to get some rub. Now, I'm going to caveat rub. this with saying if Swift suffers some serious missed time with a groin injury, it, obviously oh. he'd be if, – if he'd be – Williams would be up higher on my list, obviously, because you get the workload, um, you get a boost. But I liked what I saw from him in the games I watched of Green Bay as a change of pace guy from Aaron Jones. And I also like his personality. I'm going to reward him for that a little bit here at uh, 13 for us. To 12. I have uh, the Detroit Lions' number one wideout, Tyrell Williams, at 12. Okay. He's gonna. He's had productive seasons in the past. He has trouble staying healthy. So I'm projecting him to have a nice, healthy season and be the number one guy. So I think he will uh, be pretty solid. And he's huge. He's a big dude. Make plays. Very tall. Yeah. Jared Goff has to throw to someone other than <sighs> your guy, St. Brown. Facts. Um, number 12, I have Jamal Williams. Nice. Um, a lot like what Grant said, you know, he's going to serve as a backup role, but he's going to have opportunities in, you know, passing down situations, uh, blitz pickup situations. Um, I like overall his game, and he's turning into probably some of the Lions fans' favorite player just on how his personality is and how outgoing he is um, with those social media clips. Fantastic. Fan favorite. I'm going to take – I'm going to take Panay Sewell at 12. Simply because similar to what <laughs> – similar to what um, Austin Gale said, I do think he might be like – the most important or could like at the end of the year be the best and in the long run will probably be the best. But I just get this feeling that like maybe in the first couple games moving to right tackle, it's not going to look as pretty as we want. And he, he still may like be overall like grade very well for us. I just think our expectations are so high. So I'm tempering them a little bit in my own mind and for people to have them just outside, just outside the top 10 with a rookie who like, I guess in a weird way though, like, with Panay, a great season would be if like we really don't notice him that much because as an offensive lineman, you almost don't want to be noticed. Like that means you're doing your job; you're not giving up sacks. Um, as long as he does that, then obviously I would be wrong. He should be in the top ten. But I have this feeling where he'll make up a couple sacks or miss an assignment, and we'll be kind of uh, worried about him. But I'm saying in the long run, I think he'll be very good for our team. Don't disagree. Number eleven, I have someone that has been mentioned by both of you. I think today. Jamie Collins. I did mention him. Um, you guys pretty much covered it. So well, I didn't really say much about him. He's a leading tackler. He does some things in coverage that are pretty solid. He's just a solid player. He's a pretty trustworthy guy. He's not going to make terrible mistakes. He did have one like terrible personal foul last year. It was like one super dumb penalty. But other than that, you know, pretty reliable guy. I think he got kicked out in the first game actually last year. If I remember correctly. That escalated quickly. That's now that I think about this, I think he got ejected in the first game on the first drive. But other than that, super reliable guy. Not going to do anything too flashy, but not going to hurt you. 
which gets you to be a top 11 player on the lines. High praise. Number 11 for me, I have Jeffrey Okuda. Wow, he's way too high. Nice. Oh my God, um, is he did though? did crack my top 10. Um, oh I've adjusted God. these rankings kind of recently, but not too much. Did watch last year? Um, yes. Did you see him pick off Kelly? I did watch last year and did he struggled you? a lot. He also was Thank going you. his first two games was against DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. Two of the top wide receivers. He also looked like a Hall against of Famer. Yes. Devontae Adams cooked him and he made him his lunch. Like as Bad. our good friend Cody would say, he was food. Um, <laughs> Barbecue chicken. Yep. I would love to see uh, Alex line up against he's DeAndre got, Hopkins. He's got the ball skills. He just needs to find the I'm right system, right, find the right fit. I think he has an opportunity to do that. So, I mean, potentials to the roof. Um, hopefully the pick isn't a bust. Otherwise, Bob Quinn, thank you a lot. Uh, so that's why he's at 11 and he's not higher. I respect that. Um, my 11th pick is going to be Tyrell Williams, who I think will be a great option for us, similar to what, Alex, you picked him, right? I just did at 12. Yeah, I mean, I, big body. Uh, you could see the chemistry with Goff in the preseason, which makes me think maybe I have him a little too low. But I also, like he said, one what you would call like a good season in the NFL and the rest haven't lived up and he suffered injuries. So, I don't know. I just I, I like him, but there's I don't have this buzz, this top ten buzz around him. But I could be wrong on it, and I hope I'm wrong on it. Is that. there a buzz for a top ten Lions player? Yeah, I would say you cracked it. I mean, I'm looking at the ten names I have left. Some are kind of surprising now that I've made it this far. And I'd say like you're a decent player. There's some all pro guys. So we have like two on. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, top ten. Jack Fox. If you're top ten on any NFL team. That's like what one? That's like one of three hundred and twenty guys. Quick math, yeah. It's high praise. What are you looking? Thirty-two times ten. No, that is I zero. was wondering about that. Yeah, but our, our top ten isn't as good as other people's yeah. top ten. I mean, that's some well, top That's not a perfect our top ten. TBD. TBD. The Buccaneers you know? probably would take. We might have three guys in their top twenty-five. Jack Fox, Frank Ragnow, and DeAndre Swift. Yep, that's probably it. Hawkinson. So four guys in the top 25. Fine, but their whole wide receiver core is better than all of ours. Oh, wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> their defense... Monmer St. Brown. Yep. Yep, he makes it. He's better than he that... Uh, absolutely does not. Than the Justin Watson guy. Give me a monitor any day. That guy doesn't make it on his own team in the top 25, Grant. No, but you said they're receiving core. Yeah, there's three. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Give me a mono over Antonio Brown. This no, age. no. Less headaches. No. I still got Tyler Johnson there. Roll the boat, baby. He's still good. He's pretty good, too, honestly. Scotty Miller. Go Falcons. Potty Miller. <laughs> All right. Well, shout out to Fantasy Footballers for that. Um, stay tuned on Instagram for the graphics of those. You can kind of get in the debate like we just had in the comments. We, they seem to attract those because everyone has opinions when you see the list. So look out for that. Um, we'll hop to the Pistons here. We won't stay too long because, again, you'll have the Frank Garza interview coming um, after we talk about the Summer League. So, yeah, because we had two weeks off, we never even talked. We haven't got the chance to discuss how what, what we saw of Cade Cunningham, what we saw of the other rookies, um, the sophomore year guys of Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay. Didn't get to see Isaiah Stewart, which stunk because I really like Isaiah Stewart, but he's nursing the ankle. Didn't get to see Livers. 
Saw a little bit of balsa. Not a lot of balsa. You won't see any more of balsa. Didn't see uh, Oh, you will not. <laughs> this, no. this is it. This Remember is when it. I said uh, two weeks ago that some guy on the athletics said he was undraftable? Yeah, John Hollinger. You and you, you're like, no, that guy just has bad opinions. That well, guy does. He was pretty spot on. He was one of the worst players I've ever seen in a summer league game. His first play, though, was sweet. But then he threw it away pretty bad a couple times. Um, the one guy that didn't – I need someone to comment on our show and tell me where the John Petty kid from Alabama went. Like, we, he was on our summer league roster. He didn't play at all. And I was actually excited to watch him play, but he never checked in. I don't think he dressed. So, for me, I mean, like, like golf – seeing Cade in the Pistons uniform was awesome for the first time. I know they're not the exact Pistons uniforms or these kind of nice looking summer league uniforms, if I'm being honest. Um, so that was great. And even before the game, they're all right. Um, Cade's and the other guys like this pregame fits walking in with the drip. Like Cade had these like Detroit custom shirts with like skulls on them. Like it just, I don't know, got me, got me jazzed. And then we played and I think, I don't know. Would you guys agree the first game? Like, I wasn't nervous, but it was like, a, okay, like it wasn't like a crazy showing. Like, because leading up to the first game, Jalen Green went off the game before, and then you have Cade come out, and Cade looked good, but he didn't drop 20, which is like everyone's like just like simple-minded NBA fans, like, oh, 20 points, you're good. Like, that's basically what they think, and he didn't do that. But I still thought like it was all right. Well, I prefaced it that game with that. They said Cade hadn't played five on five during the entire draft process. So, I mean, he was going to be a little rusty. He didn't shoot the ball that well in the first game, but I think we saw that he's able to shoot after that. But the first game, if you're asking me specifically only the first game, um, I thought he looked all right. A little nervous with him and Killian playing together. But after the whole summer league, no, Cade's a star. He's going to be awesome. I agree. Awesome. And way better shooter than I realized. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was 7 for 10, bomb threes. Good. Shot over 40% in college. You know, if you were an Oklahoma State fan like I was, uh, you would have known that, Alex. I, he said I knew he was a good uh, go shooter. Pokes. I didn't know he was that good. Go Pokes, baby. That's why I had him in March Madness bracket. You didn't. Um, and that's why they didn't win. Yeah. Semantics. Uh, we got involved. We got points for him for advancing one week. <laughs> Losing to a 12. Um, but the first game, uh, Kate Cunningham did make his first two threes, which is good to see in national televised broadcast, prime time on ESPN, ESPN2. Doris Bart, baby. Terrific to see. Um, and then, like, the, the second game against the Rockets, that was, like, a thing. Like, I had to go watch that game because it was one versus two. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, step aside. Like, I mean, this is a big time, I mean, summer league game, but it was just something to look forward to watching, seeing Caden and Pissazoo for like you said, Grant. Terrific to see because he is the best player in the draft. Uh, yeah. And we're going to be mentioning it pretty soon, but Jalen Green versus Kate Cunningham, and Kate cooked him a couple times. And, and all the Pissazoo fans, I just don't want him to. The Pistons roster is better than the Rockets currently, and so I feel like Jalen Green's going to get a bunch of, like, garbage points because there's nobody else on this team throughout the year where his stats might look better than Cade's and be like, oh, well, this guy's better. But no, he's not really that much better. He's people not helping need, his team win. He's just scoring points where Cade's helping our team win. Yeah. Yes. People need to know Cade wants to win more than he wants to be this, the guy who just scores 40 and loses every game. And I'd much rather have that guy that wants to win. 
I've fully accepted that Jalen Green will win Rookie of the Year, and it'll irk me when it happens, but I'll just remember this conversation that, like, we have a guy that's going to contribute to winning more. I've, I've said from the, the jump about Jalen Green that he's he could be, like, a Zach Levine, Colin Sexton, like, bucket getter, but, like, those guys haven't won anything yet, and you need guys that are, like, team leaders, and that was one major takeaway from the Summer League is Cade at the age of 19 is a full-grown leader. Tease, you'll get that from Frank Garza. When Frank Garza was talking about how before he even spoke, when he walked in the room, he could tell this kid has a presence Dude, about him. Spoilers. Yeah, I know. Get ready for it in the interview. Insane. Like, and you and it just confirmed that you got that watching the way Cade was talking. Like, even just like talking to Sadiq Bay, which like Sadiq Bay is a very intimidating man, and I could see like a nineteen-year-old number one overall draft pick being a little like shy and not kind of directing him or giving him advice of where he should go on the floor. Cade was doing that in in the summer league already. And then he adds to it with the – and, again, not, it sucks we always bring up Jalen Green, but they are, like, linked now with, with all the talk. But, like, Jalen Green was talking, you know, mad trash talk before the game, listening to, like, Detroit music on Instagram Live just to try to, like, be subliminal with it. And Kay doesn't say anything. And then he comes out and – but still performs because he knew. He knew, like, the talk crosses him up, like, flexing on him in transition when he made that layup. And then – yeah. You can't forget Luca Garza had a sweet bucket in that game too. A little dirt and a whiskey, one leg step. We back. could talk about Luca Garza during the segment, but that's pretty much covered soon. Yeah. So we don't need to do that. Um, I will say the one downside, the one thing that made me nervous was how bad our summer league team was when it was like full full go. Like because three or four of the guys are going to be on the main roster, and we ended up losing to the Rockets, which I thought was a joke. Like there's still some. A lot of things that need to be worked out. Defense. And also, we're going to turn the ball over a lot. Because we have Cade and Killian, who are great passers. But great passers also think they can make passes sometimes that aren't there. So just prepare yourself mentally now, Pistons fans, that probably lead the, be the close to league leader in turnovers. Which just kind of comes with it. With that also, we should have beat the Thunder. Um, we had some catching pass issues. Couldn't catch passes. Tyler Cook, say my name. Wasn't going to. Which was disappointing because he was good last year. He had some, yeah, he couldn't catch the ball. Played his way out of the job, I would say. Unfortunately, it seemed like that. I don't think he really played the rest of the summer league. No, which is sad because I liked him last year. It is unfortunate. He's very athletic. You know, <laughs> one other takeaway I had was like them <laughs> teasing us with the uh, teal oh, coaches' uniforms cool. on the sideline. Great point. The first game they come out here, and the second game they're coming out. All the coaches are wearing teal, but the players aren't. And I don't know if the NBA like messed up, or they're just teasing us, or they're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if we debut them like a big primetime game or something. You know, the Nets, Bucks, or Lakers come to town, and boom, we're wearing throwbacks. They're coming for sure. I think it's like a foregone conclusion. Tell the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies. Put them on notice that we're coming. We're not. You're not gonna be the only teal team in the league anymore. <laughs> I guess the Hornets Charlotte has a little teal vibe too, right? Sort of. I'm not great with colors. Ah, true. I don't know. Ooh, if the, do the, I don't know if the listeners really know that. That they probably do to be talked about. Okay, I respect your wishes. Um, I'm ready to go there. I'm ready to say the word you're not supposed to say. The H word. I hate Jalen Green. I do. Um, it's pretty strong. I hate him. He's on the hate list, and he hasn't like played a regular season game. Added. Compared Detroit to a bubble. Yeah. Where does this I mean, guy just, get off? He's just upset, and he's like the high school drama. They're like, oh, you didn't take me first overall, so now I'm going to hate on you. Where was that energy? Like, 
when you're about to get drafted. Of course, you're not going to say anything bad, but now that it's over and passed, now you're going to bring this up. Like, if we're his ex, and he can't get over us. He just he looks can't like get over the fact that we didn't want to Super big him. diva, just childish. I have no time for it. Don't care about it. Well, we do. It, I do have time to talk about well, it. Well, I'm just, I'm glad we took Cade. Very good. Oh, absolutely. Because I think if Jalen Green came here, he would have asked to leave, I guess, because he didn't want to be in the city of Detroit because all there is to do is go to practice and then go to your apartment. Nothing else. Dude, Nothing. I can't tell you how colossally bad the next 10 years of our franchise would be if we had drafted Jalen Green. Like, I don't see him getting along with anyone on our team. Like, Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant aren't going to stand for that. The the ball hoggedness, the, that's not even a word that I just invented. But, like, and then also he doubled down. I'm pulling up the tweet now. Is like, uh, I guess Deion Sanders had said that, like, when he got drafted, he was he said, I was kind of scared. I thought Detroit was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money they'd have to put me on layaway. Like, but the, again, Deion Sanders, a bombastic personality back in the day. We weren't even probably, like, born yet. And then someone tweeted that to him with a picture of Jalen Green, and then he, like, did, like, an emoji. Like, yeah, like, that's basically what I'm saying. It's like, dude. Well, I didn't see that. And the guy in that tweet said chess, not checkers. Like, Jalen Green planned not to be here. Ooh. And I saw this these tweets fl- flowing around that made me laugh. And obviously, we're not condoning anything near that. Um, if you do anything, I'm about to say you're a scumbag. But the fact that he's doing this after the mouse of the palace just got released. What is this man thinking when he's going to step into LCA? It's going to be hostile I can't believe you went there, as man. all get out. Did you not see that on Twitter? They were making me laugh. After what I said, just watched that like last week. Yeah, I did too. It was nice. But like, and it's a terrible look. Read the room, Jalen Green. Like, I'm not, the Detroit people are not represented by that full video, but like, we're definitely up there with like Philly and other cities that are going to boobird you when we're relevant if you're going to talk, talk the talk. Ron Artest didn't help his cause. Like, L.A. And a world peace, dude. Come on. Like, you can talk crap to, like, the Clippers and the Lakers. Like, the L.A. fans aren't going to be up in your grill. We're going to be up in your grill. Us, personally, will be there up in your grill. Like, I shouldn't guarantee that, but I'd like to be up in Jalen Green's grill. Some of the schedule Some of the schedule came out today. I don't know if that game would be on there. I mean, it's one, two in the draft, but uh, I am likely to pick up there. But you know when the schedule released? Circle it. Circle it. Hopefully it's a weekend night game and the boys will be Hopefully there. the boys just go on a whatever day it is. And we'll be respectful, but respectfully boo. Again, not condoning anything or encouraging anything, but the boo should be out in force when he comes to LCA. We're going to that game. And he also looks like someone tweeted us to it. Again, made me laugh. They just tweeted underneath one of his, replied underneath one of his things with uh, Corbin Blue from High School Musical because they look identical. <laughs> they look pretty similar. Yeah, so what a joke of a player. That wrap up. Keep our city city name out of your mouth. I'll close with that. The only last thing I want to say is I hope we re-sign Hamadou Diallo because we haven't yet. I'm starting to kind of like that SpongeBob gif where he's just sitting at the coffee table. Like, what are we doing? I don't think we will, and I hate to break that to you, but I really don't. Why? I just think that if we were going to, it would have happened by now. I'm not sure Hammy's out there on the market demanding top dollar. And if he was going to get an offer that was worth his while, I think he would have already gotten. Would it make you more encouraged if he was hanging out with our whole like team at Summer League? Uh, like I mean, in the hotel, like he was with everyone at Summer League? 
I he might want to be here, but I don't know. Maybe he definitely if, does. If we don't anymore, I hope we sign him and get rid of Jalil Okafor. No, like chop the Jalil Okafor, but chop the Jalil Okafor for beating my Michigan State Spartans down in the Final Four. Okay, you can chop him for that, I guess. So, Fair. But I hope he has a good life. Any other stones tidbits before we get to the last kind of things? Uh, my only other thing is a hot take. I said after the first summer league game, I overreacted and said the Pistons will not make the playoffs. Not the playing game. Won't make any. Yeah, Alex is for sure out. He thinks there's no chance for playing. I don't see it. Not enough. Not enough depth. I'm still on board. Some weird sounds coming out of this iPhone. All right, so join us today for this week's episode. We have on a special guest. Uh, he is Frank Garza, father of Luca Garza, who is one of the newest Detroit Pistons on a two-way contract just signed recently. So thank you, Frank, for joining us. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. I, I appreciate it, and, and thank you on the, on the two-way. Yeah, it's, it's so happy that, uh, that we're uh, part of the family. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect kind of layup introduction there is what was yours and even Luca's reaction when you guys saw that news come through? Well, we, we um, I think that, uh, Luca went to press conference was, several folks came up to me and said, geez, for the player of the year, for two years in a row, right? Broke his own scoring record in one of the, one of the most challenging environments to play in. No fans. <laughs> No social lives to, to, you know, so much pressure playing. You guys know that from, from you know, seeing it is so much pressure to perform at such an elite level at, in the Power Five conferences. Uh, and you still have to go to school and then do that when you don't, can't go mingle with students or go blow off steam or go hang out. You got to be in your room isolated. I mean, they were in rooms where if you wanted to leave a room, you had to be at school. Why? You had to verify that you didn't have contact with anybody else. So, I mean, in that environment, to still perform. So, it's, it's folks came up to me and said, well, geez, why was he so grateful? Well, I'll tell you why, because just because you did in college, there was a big, big jump into the NBA, and, and we had to find a place, a home, that's similar to Iowa, you know, where a coach could see past his physical parts, his physical attributes, and see his heart. To see the intangible, even though it's not tangible, to see, even though everyone was saying, well, it's too slow for the Big Ten. He can't play defense. He's not quick enough. He'll never be able to play in the Big Ten. Or he'll come off the bench to being the number one player in college. That's intangibles. And so we're so grateful uh, to get a foot in the door because that's all we want. Foot in the door, we'll do the rest. and um, Or I should say, he'll do the rest. And... Um, uh, it's it's his career, it's his life, and he'll do it. Uh, you know, as a dad, you know, it's like uh, my wife and I were are content with the fact that at this age, if we didn't do it right then, there's nothing we can do now. <laughs> right out of the house, so we're very uh, comfortable with that. And but I think Lucas said it best. We're grateful for the opportunity. We're grateful to Troy, uh, to Joe, the owner. To, uh, to to Coach Casey, uh, to everyone on the staff, including uh, the scouts, Speedy, and the rest of them, to be able to see what I I know about my son, but but others uh, 
uh, I was mentioning this the other day. I got over 100 DMs when Luca was um, drafted uh, telling me how terrible my son is and what a terrible, colossal mistake it was to recruit him. Wow. Uh, uh, That's not and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay with that because uh, people just want what's best for their city. I'm totally into that. But, but give us the chance to, to prove you differently. Give us a chance to soften those petrified beliefs about basketball players. Because every once in a while, one will come along that doesn't have the physical gifts, but will be the last man standing. And Luca happens to be that guy. Love it. So great, Frank. Uh, you touched on it a little bit. Um, could you just overall your quick experience at Iowa, either yours and Luca's, or just yours or just Luca's? Yeah, well, I'll, you know, um, I'll have Luca talk about his, but I mean, I can comment on him seeing it, but. Uh, you know, Iowa is our field of dreams, gentlemen. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, we went from early on in his career where you could barely walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, he would literally trip over the baseline and that's painted, right? I did that once. Uh, you know, you know, you know, and so it was one of those things where it was like, hey, look, it doesn't matter how we are as an eighth grader. What's going to matter is when we're a 10th grader in high school level. So let's focus on where we want to go, not where we are, because the adventure is where we're going to be, not where we are today. Today doesn't matter. So to have Fran McCaffrey early on in the process offer us, and even then I got DMs from people saying, oh, there's no way he's going to play in the Big Ten. It's impossible. I mean, the same kind of, same kind of thing, which happens when you have a kid that's not going to blow you away with physical gifts. And perhaps you're not used to seeing intangibles. Right? When you meet someone who has an abundance of tangibles, you feel it before you hear it. Before they speak, you just feel their presence because they're just full of that. And so to find a coach that saw that in Luca, and think about this, Fran McCaffrey got to see Luca before everyone else at that 2015 Nike elite camp uh, where 100 of the best players went to go and coaches aren't allowed. It's a quiet period. Unless your kid happens to be in the camp, then you can go as a parent. So Fran got to see Luca early on, and after that camp, made the offer right away. He saw Luca's intangibles, but that's Fran's background. He finds players that he finds those special, special uh, players that have that uniqueness. He, he, he's been very gifted that way. He himself is that man and that player. So uh, I was so fortunate to have a coach that saw my son. Uh, because when you hand off your kid to college, and parents uh, listening will understand this, is, is uh, you're expecting them to, to take him into manhood. It takes a village to grow a man, gentlemen. You'll find that out as you, um, as you when you become parents, if you're not already. Uh, but uh, I'm not kidding. You guys are too young to be parents now. But um, uh, yeah, so it was wonderful. It's our field of dreams. Our dreams came true there, which was a chance for Luca to uh, have a coach that believed in him. And then with his work ethic and the kind of work we were doing, the intelligent practice, um, we had a chance for him to blossom fully. And that's what Iowa was all about, is um, Luca grew into his, his, uh, his feet there and under extremely difficult situations. At the beginning of his sophomore year, he almost didn't know he wouldn't. We didn't think he would play basketball again. He had a 10-plus pound cyst removed from his spleen at the beginning of the season. So it wasn't even he played basketball. That wasn't even the picture. The doctor said, Frank, got a 5% chance he'll ever play anything again. 
you can't play basketball without a spleen. Yeah. And he had this 10 plus pound cyst on there. You couldn't see what was below. It was tumorous. Is there something going on that caused that? We couldn't tell because there was all that fluid. So we went through all of that. And he even started that year, the first game, MVP of the tournament at Madison Square Garden, some seven weeks later. So it's like incredible, miraculous things going on there in Iowa. Um, you know, for a small state, only 3 million people, uh, there's some magical, magic dust uh, uh, there. So it, it was a great experience, a great learning experience. We have friends there for life. Luca has friends that will be in his wedding, you know, from that experience. And as a dad, my gosh, uh, I don't think I could have designed it. Uh, I mean, they retired his jersey while he was still playing. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that kind of sums it up. I probably should have just started there and cut all, all that other stuff, but sorry for taking so long to get to that. But that's, that kind of says it right there. Absolutely. Um, just following up with that, what was your favorite moment from when Luca was at Iowa? Just one specific mm. moment. Oh, well, there's several, you know, there's several, um, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, in the basketball, you know, realm was, um, you know, I don't want you guys to take this the wrong way or anything, but, you know, certainly the game in Michigan. 44 points. I saw where he set the record. Yeah. You know, um, beating Michigan State at home, that, you know, beating in, so that was, a, that was a big one. Uh, but I would say some of the most enjoyable uh, moments uh, is when Luca would, uh, you know, go to the local children's hospital or the local elementary and read to the kids. And I'd get a, I'd get a text from a, a parent or the teacher just saying, hey, we didn't, he didn't have to do this. You know, we didn't ask him to do this. He did it on his own. And that, you know, as a dad, just makes me, you know, feel good that, about everything we taught him, my wife and I and our extended family about giving back to receive. You know, it's a giver's game. You know, if you want to win, you got to give to win. You can't just take. If you take, you don't win as much. If you give, you win a factor of 10 greater. So those are some of the most, you know, to me, those more than basketball, which was him as a man. Uh, what does he do with his free time? Is he just going to sit around and play Fortnite? <laughs> or is he going to say, hey, man, let me try and help someone else out? Because I was that kid. You know, I was that young, you know. And and uh, and so figuring that out as a young person, 19, 20 years old, well, I'm going to go to the local elementary school and read to the kids. Or I'm going to go to the children's hospital and just hang out with those kids, that some of which won't see the end of the year because they're, they're, they're just not going to make it. And so that, those as a dad, um, um, those, those would rank – I'll say another thing he did, just as an example of that gentleman. Uh, we did an NFT for Luca at the end of his uh, college career. I don't know if you knew that. You could go to OpenSea.io and look up his name. You could see we did four in total. But the first one we did, I didn't know if it was going to sell for anything. I just had a sense that it would be something very valuable to do for him. And while we were designing it, because you have to decide how much money is going to go here, what are you going to do here, and this is part of the nature of, of – uh, blockchain uh, computing and, 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 and um, in, uh, in the NFT world. And so Lucas said, well, I want to give north of 20% of the net proceeds to the children's hospital. And gentlemen, at the time, he only had $28.33 in this account. Right? So poverty, he couldn't even pay for a meal. 
And yeah, he's thinking about, I don't know what it would sell for. Well, it sold for 41,000, right? And, uh, but prior to that selling for that amount, he didn't wait for it to sell to then go, oh, now I want to give. He did it before. And that, as a dad, those are the things that I'm most proud of. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that gives a great glimpse into just kind of Luca's overall character and personality, which is a big thing that the Pistons GM, Troy Weaver, talked about in identifying who they wanted to draft. Um, and another off of that, another glimpse that all the fans have gotten to see, Detroit fans already, uh, about Luca's character is his work ethic. And I think you kind of touched on that at some points. Um, you know, you can talk about the physical attributes all you want, but, and he's even said himself, like, no one's going to outwork me. And that's kind of, again, like we said off the top, is that's kind of how we were introduced to you is through these workout tweets. I kind of wanted to get some background on those because we, I, I hadn't seen any of them during uh, his Iowa days, but that may have just been where in Michigan weren't, weren't following your account then. Have, have you been doing these workout right. tweets um, as long as back to Iowa days? Or is this kind of a new, new kind of thing? Well, I started in Iowa. I started, um, it, I started heavy, uh, during the COVID period, uh, I had been receiving um, messages from parents saying, geez, my kids are just, they don't know what to do. They can't go anywhere. They're going to do that. Can you think of something? And I said, well, let's just start posting some of the workouts and, and providing some, some inspiration, if you will, some, you know, some, some ideas of what you can do with your time. And uh, we talked a lot about, you know, one of the big things about Lucas' game that you're going to learn more about is his inner game. He's a, been a deep meditator now. Uh, he speaks about it, but his inner game, you know, and how to, you know, we call it pranayama, the science of breath. I mean, Lucas' lungs are one and a half time on average of his opponent because we practice stretching our lungs through meditation and through pranayama exercises. We practice visual motor rehearsal, which is rehearsing the future before it comes, mm. just like Armstrong did when he landed on the moon. He had a resting pulse in the 50s. Well, how do you do that? We've never been there before. Never have before. Well, you go there in the mind, the body follows. That's how it works anyway. Anywhere you go, you go in your mind first. Whether you like like to acknowledge it or not, it happens. So we just took more management over that in practice of rehearsing the future. Um, and so anyway, all the parents and business, we just started posting during the COVID period. And kids loved it. They were inspiring. They would show me pictures. Oh, I did the mic and drill. Uh, you know, I did the Sigma thing, you know, so I, it, it started with that. And then it just kept on. And, you know, I wouldn't post one day and people say, Oh, I missed my Luca post. So I just started doing it, you know? And, um, and then of course, when Luca was, was drafted, I got all this, uh, you know, uh, uncomplimentary, <laughs> you know, messages about Luca. It was a trash, terrible thing. And he only got, he only did well at Iowa because he passed him the ball and he shot more times. Who cares that he shot 55% from the field or 44% from three? Right. But, you know, but no, it was, you know, hey, he just got it more. And I, okay, I, I try and meet everyone where they are. And so I figured, well, maybe let me just show what he's about. Because I know, you know, I, I happen to, I always have, uh, you know, been drawn to Detroit, even even before the bad boys days, just the whole idea of Detroit, you know, in the history of it, and, uh, steel, auto, and just like the, you know, the, you know, the, the core of America and the economy was built there, you know, in terms of just production. And that just means a lot, you know, and, um, and so I always had that for him. And I was just so, and so I had a sense that it would resonate that people would see that, yeah, this kid, 
is, is it's earned, not given. Because I had to earn it every step of the way. And I just had a feeling, I was hoping uh, that it would resonate uh, with folks and just that, that you wouldn't have to accept him, but just would give him a chance to see beyond the fact that he has the slowest three-quarter sprint or he doesn't have a high jump reach, you know, or he's this. Well, let's look beyond that. Because even though he was the slowest guy in college, he was the first one back on defense every time in an offense. Beat every big man down the court. Beat, beat Teske down the court. Beat all the guys down the court. They're, 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 uh. And even though they run faster, even though they're quicker, even though they jump higher, they don't sprint every time. That's a habit. But Luca does. And so, you know, it's – I just – we was just hoping that that would, would resonate with folks because, to me, that's what city of Detroit's all about is you, you get it through hard work. You don't get it through talking. You know, talk all you want. Show me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what I tried to do. So we touched on, like, the draft process in Detroit a little bit so far. Can you kind of, like, describe how that draft process went? Um, and did you expect Luca to get drafted higher later or undrafted at all? Great question, Evan. Well, you know, before the draft, my hair was dark. <laughs> right? I mean, I had dark hair. I mean, you know, so, look at it now. I mean, you know, I mean, it was like, a, you know, so, you know, there was a very real uh, uh, chance. And, you know, I talked to Luke about it, as did his, you know, our agents. I mean, it wouldn't be drafted. First time ever in the history of college basketball that the best player in the country goes undrafted. I thought the lowest was 33. Prior to that, and we know we we're going to go in the top, you know, forty probably. Um, I was hoping we'd go in the in the in the forties. Uh, just my dad. I didn't tell that to, to, to Luca, but I figured with what was there that 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 maybe could happen. And of course, I didn't. And um, uh, toward the end, there it didn't look like we'd be drafted at all, you know. And so, uh, um, but. You know, having his name called, you know, first time in our whole family history, you know, his draft, a little atrocious, whoa, once we're getting in the 50s. Nothing against the other players. They're all, Lucas plug and play. He can go on right now and produce. So his ceiling may not when he's 19, but I would still venture to say there's the ability. You got to be the first day to shoot over 50% from that. Well, why do I say that? I've worked him out his whole freaking life. I taught him how to shoot. I'm confident in his ability to be able to do that. And so, uh, you know, and I may be wrong, but 44%, you saw his increases in three-point, even though the, the three-point line in, in college moved out to the FIBA line, and he still went up 10 points on his percentage from further out. And we've done nothing but increase that. It's not, I tried to show some of my videos of him even shooting from the half circle, which is 40-plus feet, at a high accurate speed, just to, to let anyone know he can – do it at 30 with his eyes closed and he can by the way that's not a that's not a, a misstatement he can make it with his eyes closed so practice intelligent practice makes intelligent play and the more you practice intelligently the more intelligent you play so lucas is going to do nothing but continue to do that and so it was um it was a night i was glad when it was done we turned up you know I can imagine, like especially sitting, like you said, going from the 40s to the 50s, just hoping. And I mean, from all we talked about it on our podcast after that, we were all fans of the pick because, like you said, like 
no matter where you get them, you're getting the best player in college basketball the last season. I mean, and I think there was even a graphic that went around of centers specifically who were wooden award winners, and most of them had fantastic careers. So we were big fans of it. Oh, yeah. Big fans of it right away and uh, thought it was a great value. Um, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and a little bit off that, I mean, we've asked you, rightfully so, a bunch of questions about Luca, but I did notice from doing, uh, and now this is from Wikipedia, so bear with me Bear with me if it's wrong, but it appears that you also played some college basketball at Idaho, and naturally, yes. I was just curious, were there any uh, any similarities between your game and Luca's from the college level? <laughs> well, if you uh, ask anyone that saw me play, they say, well, uh, you know, Luca's doing it far better than me. I you know, made sure of that. But our game is very similar. I mean, I was a great shooter. I, I still hold the record for the three-point percentage at, at Idaho. In fact, the big sky where I played was the uh, the first league that had the three-point line because if it didn't work out, gentlemen, no one would notice because it's in the big sky. I mean, they wouldn't care. What? Big sky. But, but uh, yeah, so our game is very similar. He's going to roll out a sky hook. I had a beautiful sky hook. And I still do. I can still make 10 in a row from 15 feet, both hands. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a great shooter. Still today, I can pretty much, Lucas gotten better on the free throws, made sure of it. But the two areas I'm still better than him at is the, is the sky hook, although he's getting real close. And used to be free throw percentage. He's going to be at 85 plus percent, 80 plus percent now, the rest of his career. Uh, and I would say he'd be in the 90s um, before long. So he's going to uh, eclipse me there as well. Uh, but our games are very similar because, unfortunately, he got my physical gifts, uh, which is that I run the 40-yard dash in a day, and the seasons move faster than me on the basketball court. You know, so, but, you know, you know that's one of the reasons I could help develop him so well because I knew how to get ahead by, and I was the slowest guy out there, but the first one down because I started sooner. I anticipated the flow of the game. I had peripheral vision, so I didn't have to go like this or like this and swivel my head. No, I could see by looking straight ahead. So I could just kind of get better in the other areas of the game in order to succeed against uh, vastly superior uh, players. But a fun story, though, is um, the year before I got to Idaho, uh, Idaho made it to the Sweet 16. And the team that they beat which for a tiny little school to make it to Sweet 16, it, it, it probably never happened again in, in Moscow, Idaho. Um, but the team they beat in overtime was University of Iowa. Wow. <laughs> so what's the irony of that? Same school colors, you know, uh, you know the whole thing. But, but uh, so that's... I was waiting for some reporter in Iowa to finally, oh, you went to Idaho, that rings a bell. And it, no one did. They forgot about it until I reminded them about it. But, uh, but anyway, so that's all that. So my final question, switching gears here. Sure. So you watch the Summer League, I assume, obviously. Uh, what are your yes. thoughts on Cade Cunningham and uh, the Young Pistons core and maybe how you think Luca would fit in with them? Great question, Alex. So, yeah, so what, what do I think about uh, the number one pick, you know, the other members of the core, uh, everything? Well, I, as a dad, I couldn't think of a better place for Luca. Uh, you know, from the moment we arrived, and I had some previous knowledge, you know, about the organization just from our agents and their relationship um, with Troy, back because he's from D.C. area. 
and I knew of his son when he played and this and that. So knew about the man. And so I was, you know, the moment we get here, there's that ineffable quality. You can, you can just, you can feel it, not touch it. But just this environment of, of character, integrity, getting uh, a family, you know, restore rather than rebuild. No, see, rebuild means you never had it. Restore means reclaim it because you already have it. I love that. I mean, I'm, I love that kind of difference in diction. Uh, and, and the meaning is, is very powerful. And so, man, I tell you, I still remember, it was like, Cade walked in the room, took the air out of I'm like, man, here's this kid who just uh, exudes leadership. It was something I hadn't experienced in a long, long time uh, like that. And I've met lots of folks in all different levels uh, in terms of where they were in their careers and different occupations. And his ranks up there in uh, one of the few encounters where you could tell before he opened his mouth, this kid's special. And what's he special about? Not just his physical gifts. But it's interesting about why Detroit took, took him as a first pick. It makes complete sense to me based upon touching and feeling it while I was there. From the owner, Troy, Casey, the staff, even the scouts like Speedy. The, you know, just this is a different group. They're doing something different here. This is something going on here. So they took Cade because not only is a great athlete, great player, he's a connector. He's a leader. He's a team guy. And even at 19, you see him on the court. He's leading the huddle, right? He's doing those things that you can't teach. It's got to be part of you. It's got to be marrow deep in your belief as a player. It's like, I'm only going to succeed if I help you win. If I help you win, I win. And he's got that in abundance. And then, of course, you run into one of my favorite college players, and because they came in the same time Luca did, is Livers. I come so excited for the fact that he gets to play with Livers. There's another connector. There's another guy that cares more about your success than his own. You know how unique that is for the number one, the, you know, 42, to not just sit there and be entitled. Now, I don't mean, I don't, I'm not saying anything against other players. I'm not saying that at all. But some players, it's like, hey, I went where? I should have been here. I, should, I get it. Superstars, super athletic, great. Yeah, just we're not, that's not, that's not our world, <laughs> you know, um, with that. And then, of course, um, Jeremy Grant, who we've worked out with the last several years in the DMV. And then Sadiq Bay, who was at the, in our same high school league across the street. And we went to Murray, he's over at Sidwell. And so it's like, you got Sadiq Bay, who's got another tremendous work ethic and a huge character guy, big time, uh, as is Jeremy. The, yeah, I'll tell you what, Jeremy called Luca from Tokyo wow. when he was picked. Now, what does that tell you about this team that, that Troy's put together? This is a lot of brilliance going on here, you know, uh, that, you know, that's, you know, behind the scenes of what they're putting together. I don't want to miss anybody else out on the team, the other core. Um, and then you got Lee. You know, I talk about a great family, uh, you know, great, you know, I, you know, tradition of pedigree of winning and, and uh, working hard. So I tell you what, I, I, um, uh, is something special going to be happening in, in, in Detroit and it's happening now. And um, it's, uh, you know, something happens that's intangible when you bring all these characters of integrity and, and um, strong uh, character together. You know, it's a reflection, uh, you know, it becomes one heart, you know, one being. And, and I think uh, they're down the road on, on uh, going to surprise a lot of people um, 
because I believe it's the intangibles that wins uh, over talent uh, every time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Alex, Kevin, but Frank's got me ready to like run through a brick wall right now with that answer right there. That was Fired up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> um, Super. But in all Super. seriousness, we really appreciate the time. I feel like we could talk to you forever, but, uh, you know, we won't keep you too long here. Um, Evan, did you have any, any last things or anything? Or is that, that I would just ask just one final question, Frank. I would say, sure. can you give us a prediction, overall team prediction, going into next year for the Pistons? In terms of where they're going to end up? Sure. Uh, let, let, let me let Luca get through through training camp, and I'll give you a better answer. You know what I mean? It's like we got two ways. Now the real work begins. It's training yeah. camp, right? Then the feds show up, and then the this. And so that all, we got to see where it is. But right now, I, I like I said, I, I feel I feel this team's going to do some stuff. That, you, know, you know, look at what Milwaukee did years ago. You know, there's only one lottery pick on that team. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was Lopez. Right. Yeah. You know, and so you go, well, well, what did they go for? Well, they went for a character. They went for intangibles. They went for desire. Guys that wanted to get better and win, period. I don't care if you have to put me through the G League. I play me anywhere. I'm going to win. I don't care what. And so I'm telling you, there's going to be, that's, that's powerful, powerful ingredients, uh, you know, for making history. Uh, the one thing I would say, if I could, uh, gentlemen, is that uh, I just wanted to thank all the Detroit fans and folks for for just, you know, again, got all those DMs about stuff. That, hey, they they made a decision, but yet they they still kept an open eye, an eye of discovery. They said, well, let's give them a shot. And the, those petrified beliefs have softened. And so I'm so <laughs> grateful that they too can see what Luke is about, which he leads with his heart. You know, oh, he's getting so fired up out there on the court. Well, that's how we play, man. We're Italian, Spanish, uh, Yugoslavia, man. We're a one nine fifty seven of emotion, you know, and inspiration. And so we're going to play, and you're going to know it. You're going to know I'm in the stands. You're going to know Lucas playing. You know, you, and so it's just like that's who we are. And so I just want to thank, you know, Detroit for for accepting uh, that. Now, we still have to prove uh, a lot. You know, it's earned, not given. It's been our whole story. We're going to do that. But thank you for being willing to soften some of those beliefs and give him the chance to show what he did at Iowa, which was coming in 118th in the country and ended up being number one two years in a row. He beat his own scoring record when teams had a year to prepare. And I'm still pissed off at Martinelli. You're saying Joe's coach because he had a whole year to get ready for Luca, and he did the best job of any coach, including Izzo, on how to play Luca, and that's a compliment to Howard, which Howard and what he did there, uh, bringing him in. What a beautiful man, uh, you know. And so I'm still upset at him for doing that to my son on that uh, <laughs> that game. Um, but um, um, you know, again, uh, you know, very grateful to to Detroit for for. Uh, uh, giving us a shot. That's all we want is a shot. And then everything else is on us. We're going to earn it. He's going to earn it every step of the way. And, um, and, and that's how we want it. That's fair. Yeah. And I feel, I feel comfortable even at this point on behalf of Detroit Pistons fans, thanking you and Luca as well, just for bringing a fresh energy. You guys made the, were a big part of making the summer league pretty exciting. And I f- feel for many Pistons fans that 
with the two-way contract, those days that Luca is up with with the big squad, that we will be that will be appointment television for us. It might even draw some interest with the Motor City Crews, who will be you know a new team. So, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you. uh, you're, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for us here today. Um, sure. If you want to continue to kind of follow along. Uh, obviously, Luca and Frank have their respective Twitters. Uh, Frank, yours is at FrankGarza57. So you can kind of follow along, see more of those workout videos, uh, you know, the the daily kind of uh, motivation that you bring there. Super. Well, I don't know if I should keep posting them. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know. Maybe it's that uh, people are tired of them, um, you know. Uh, you know. So anyway, I'm still trying. I'm in the duality about whether or not I keep doing them or if it's uh, – it's, um, it's, um, you know, it's uh, what do you guys think? I say you mix them in here and there. You know, maybe okay. if you want to cut down the Super. the the uh, quantity of them, maybe once a week or just. I think the Pistons fans need reminders that Luca's out there getting working. I agree. Yeah, we like them. They're, motiv- they're a little motivational too. Yes. It makes me want to get out there and do something. <laughs> Super. Super. Well, I appreciate that, gentlemen. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, thank you. For thank out. you. Anyways, Alex's rumor mill segment of the week presented by Codes Apparel. The city of the week for this is Kingsley, Michigan. Why? Stand up. Why? Because that's where we are going camping this weekend. I'm excited about it. You're not going to like. You don't get the address because. Usually you talk about. Oh, we guess first? Yeah, yeah. Then I mean, I'll let you get What's the, the area code, boys? It starts with the two or starts with the seven? Two. Two, three, four. Two, four, three. Two, three, one. Yes. Two, three, one. All right. I, I hope so, because Traverse City is two, three, one, so I'm just banking on that the border doesn't stop there. But we're going to go with that as being correct. Why is that relevant? Because that's what Codes Apparel does. They do Michigan-themed, Michigan area code-themed apparel, which is kind of hot in the streets these days, speaking of college football. Michigan football's helmet stickers – on the back of their helmets this year, feature the hometown kids like area code, and that they said that was their one of their favorite helmet stickers this year. So, that. if you'd like to partake on the train, and also Detroit Pistons lean into three one three. If you like to partake in that, c o d e s a p p a r e l dot com is where you can find that. You can also find Shot of Michigan sports merch there as well from the show. One of our good listener friends Ben purchased himself a shirt, and the logo was Fuego, as the kids say. Turned out really nice. Um, yep, yeah, so that and also any area code themed gear, t-shirts, hoodies, long suits, etc. at that website, Codes Apparel. Uh, and now for Alex's rumor mill segment of the week. Rumor this week is a one rumor and a bonus. And it's all Michigan State related. So Grant, if you don't care. No, I care. I have to. It's Michigan State is two-eighths of this podcast, basketball and football. So I first rumor <laughs> is... Not good for Michigan State, depending on how you view it. Amani Bates, who released his top four, uh, included Michigan State. And what I've heard is that that was real interest from Amani and Michigan State. However, Michigan State decided it is not in their best interest to continue pursuing him. And Amani will be uh, going to Memphis and teaming up with Jalen Durant. So for Michigan fans, watch out for Memphis, I guess. Well, and you guys, right? Aren't you guys contenders? We don't have to worry about any team. We worry about ourselves. Same. And <laughs> I'm worried about UCLA. I'll say it. So no Imani Bates. <laughs> Part two 
I also love how you spun on that and be like, Michigan State didn't want him anymore. That's actually what I read. I know. I wonder what Amani Bates' camp would say. I like it. It's smart spin zone. And the other rumor is uh, was dropped by Rico Beard that Michigan State's going to uh, get some all-black uniforms. And I think it's a long overdue. Curious to see how they turn out. People black have been is- asking for a long time. Oh, I agree. It's it's cool. But black is definitely not one of Michigan State's primary or really even secondary colors. So I'm interested to see how it turns out. Now, with this, I wanted to ask Evan, if you were to design a black Michigan State uniform, Evan, what would it look like? Black, green numbers. What color green? green the not the neon, I assume. No, non-neon. It's not the basketball uniforms because if there's anywhere black and neon, I'm out. I'm jumping ship. Uh, I don't want neon on the football team. Basketball, it's cool. It wasn't. It already football was. Team, no, those weren't black. No, but you guys did wear neon already once for football. Yes, that's the big why. States. That's why I asked if it was the neon green or the regular green. I was yeah. I got all you. black numbers green, either outlined in white or something like that stands out, something silver. shiny like a silver or like a metallic color that stands Gotta out. Gotta be white. Like I'll stop you there. Um, helmets, black, black face mask, face mask, obviously, and then like a big. I want the logo like big on the helmet, so just the regular Spartan logo, but I want it big, green outline, same as the numbers. Yep, gotta be like a matte or black. Maybe, or maybe a... you find like a retro logo somewhere just to stick that on there on the helmet. Um, not, not the gruff Sparty, no, not that. It doesn't match well with black. That fit. Yep. I'm thinking something like you know, like retro, modernized, you know, something like that. I was thinking Michigan State just copies Ohio State's all black uniforms and just puts green and then throws the logo on the helmets. Those are sweet. That's my thought. Yeah. The the helmets have to be matte black. That's my only uh, contribution. I thought we just assumed that it was matte. No. Yeah. I mean, it was shiny black. I had that in my head. I had matte black. Yeah. Like a TCU shiny black. I don't like that. So I hope they go matte if they do. And well done by Alex. Good, good uh, bit of podcasting there. It teased us right into the final segment, and we're not going to spend Shout out me. a long, long time here because it is actually crazy. College football starts next week. Um, Nebraska-Illinois kicked this puppy off, which is puke-in-your-mouth football. But That game was supposed to be in Ireland. Yep. They play Saturday. Right. They play in week zero is what the uh, college football calls what it. What day do they kick off? Saturday, next Saturday, the 28th. Really? Yep, they played the 28th. August 28th, yes, Evan. I, I, I don't, that may have came to a surprise you. Next weekend. That's awesome. That's great. I love football. For, for our teams, we don't play until next weekend because we're the big boys. We're not Nebraska, Illinois. So that's why we're going to do a big cursory overview of Michigan, Michigan State here and then get into more of a nitty-gritty kind of like next week. With a guest. Yeah, potentially. I don't want to bank on guests, but potentially. There's um, a strong chance. We're actually going to have a roundtable discussion in the Zoom with Jim Harbaugh above us and Mel Tucker at the bottom, and they're just going to kind of go yep. at it, and we're going to facilitate it. Ryan Day <laughs> yeah. might pop in, too. What do you guys want to start? What team? Do you have a preference? Sure. Or do you just want to talk about both, and we can kind of intermingle them? Because there's some similarities, and there's some differences. Let's talk there about are a lot of similarities. Both. Both had bad seasons last year, objectively. Yep. Right. I think the biggest difference, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is just kind of the viewpoints and where each program's at. Obviously, Michigan State went, got, and got a new coach and would put themselves in the building something category, whereas Michigan 
has been going into year seven of Coach Harbaugh and restoring something. Trying, trying to restore. I think the restore. best, the best way I've seen the this year of Michigan football is it's either like a revival or Harbaugh's last stand. I don't really see the middle ground of where it's not one of those two. I guess there is a place for that, which is kind of like. Eight and four and beating Ohio State. It's more of the nitty-gritty show. Is like what keeps Harbaugh's job. I really don't know. It's something I have to think long and hard about. I think it's more of just like, do you see improvement? Um, but at the same time, you know, Michigan State made all those coaching changes last year, whereas Michigan changed everyone except for Jim Harbaugh. So the, both both schools have new faces in place, uh, relatively new speaking for college football. So they're still working on that. But I think, I guess... It's fair to say Michigan has more pressure on them going into this year, I would say, at least from the fan base. I think that's undisputedly accurate because you guys aren't going to be down Mel Tucker's throat if it's like a 500 season. That'd six be... and six is a win, I think, okay. for most fans. I personally would like better, but a bowl game. What are you saying about most fans? They have low expectations. Yeah, some do. But I think overall six and six is probably the general – They'd be good with it. And then maybe win that bowl game, seven and six, would be nice for most fans. Michigan, on the other hand, I assume that it's, you know, Big Ten Easter bust. Should be that way. Crowds talked about. I don't get that vibe going into this year. I don't either. I don't think any of the – I think the Michigan fan base is, is tired, is exhausted going into year seven. And I don't think – credit to us for finally learning, I guess, expectations-wise, I don't think – it's a big Easter bus mentality. Like, obviously, you want to win that, and you can kind of say every year it should be that. But I don't know. I mean, no. They're- so what do you? So what do you think would be good for the year? What well, do you want Michigan to do? What do you think the fans want? What do you think the fans expect? I think the fans expect this year to beat Michigan State. I think that's. I think if they if Michigan loses to Michigan State, I think it's. It's you could fire Harbaugh after that game. You think Michigan State's worse? Yes, yes. Objectively speaking, talent on the roster, I think Michigan is a better football team going into this year than Michigan State. And I think, with that being said, if they lose that game again, back to back years, it's, it's fireable offense. It is. Well, I agree. Well, I'm, not, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at your. You think there's you know the talent gap and all that, but I'm not going to get into that on this week's episode. Fair and that Evan doesn't, and it'll play out over the season. Well, it, we'll see. But I want I'm to saying say that's the viewpoint. I, want to say things so I also, you can. I also think Michigan is as good, if not better, like talent wise and setup could should be as Penn State this year. Will they beat them? I don't know. I think they would have probably beat them last year if K didn't get hurt in the first. Penn State's, Penn first State's not that good, anyways. Right. Penn State's so maybe it's more of a job on Penn State. I guess. Yes. Fair. Because they still have Clifford, and I've never been impressed by Clifford like once in my life. And they sh- Michigan should have beat them last year if it wasn't for Cade getting hurt in the first quarter. So I don't view them that different. I guess if I'm trying to look at the Big Ten East as a whole, I put Indiana in a tier above us because of their phenomenal quarterback play. Now they're going to lose some pieces, but I'm not going into – like in the past, I'd always been Indiana's going to play as tough. We're going to win. After last year and knowing what they were coming back with, I don't see it that way. I would say we would we would obviously not going to be favored against Indiana. And then Ohio State, I'm not expecting to win. I will say, though, might be crazy, call me crazy. It's their best chance in the last two years to beat Ohio State for sure because they're not going to have Justin Fields at quarterback. 
So, but whoever the quarterback is will have 11 weeks under their belt by the time they get to Michigan. So they're probably yeah. going to be pretty solid. Yeah, and then I guess you'd have to say the same argument about Michigan. Hopefully they figured out their quarterback situation. That's a common denominator to work Michigan State back in quarterback situation. I think that you could almost start and stop the conversation for the year with how in, in any college football year is how good is your quarterback going to be. And we both really don't – both schools do not know because we don't 100% know like who's going to be the main guy for the full season. I can safely say on the Michigan State side that this year, whoever it is, it will be an improvement from last year. It can't really be. You're going to go and do Rocky Lombardi like that on this podcast. Unfortunately, he got two big wins. He had two games. He'll go down in Spartan history for what he did against Michigan. And Northwestern. Not as important, but. Well, it was a bigger win. I mean, kind of. Technically, yes, better. but to the fan base. Northwestern was better than us last they're year. They're going to so. remember the Michigan game. But, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, turnover every four plays. You can't do winning football like that. That Iowa game, holy crap. One of – I'm not, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to be mean to Rocky. I appreciate what he did for me to say. That's, probably, that's how I felt during the Indiana game. Similar vibes. But I, I think no matter what, Michigan State's quarterback room will be improved, and I think Michigan's quarterback room will be improved too. I agree with both those statements. Because Joe Milton was similarly bad. I also hate that kid too. I'm going to throw out a hate. I don't. He had a press conference in Tennessee that really pissed me off. He did really say that he mad. didn't know who Antoine Simmons was. That also really made me mad. Pretty, that really made me pretty mad. Pretty bad. Yeah. No, I'm not I can't believe I tried to defend that guy ever. He's just not a nice guy. Evan, you haven't talked to him a while. He's soaking it all. No, it's kind of hard to jump in when you guys run after each other. I don't want to rush. Um, Smart. Um, I would say, like, this is actually, like, one of the first years I just don't feel like the Michigan media is, like, expecting them to win the Big Ten East, where they're actually kind of, like, realizing where they actually belong, and it's, like, middle of the pack where, like, everyone else is, and where you have to, like, fight and upset somebody when you're not supposed to, uh, to deserve that spot to play for, like, a chance to go to the Big Ten championship. Um, which, it could be better beneficial for them. Uh, um I thought I saw today Cade McNamara was named the quarterback, starting quarterback for week one today. Don't hold me on it, but he, it was blowing it, up my Twitter. It probably was just like a re-emphasis he has been since uh, the end of like winter camp. Extremely safe bet that he's the starter. Oh. Which is, again, brand new. They never have done that in the past. And then I feel like he's getting more likely – um, based off of from like the interviews I've seen from Jim Harbaugh and then where Michigan State, Mel Tucker's been more hush hush about it, but it's a two quarterback race. Um, and I always go back to Thorne played well against Penn State. That was like his one time like show out. Um, but I would say you don't bring in a fifth year grad starter, grad student, and he doesn't start. I just think Russo is going to take it. And like you said, the starting quarterback will take you as far as the team takes you. So. Overall, I think these teams are kind of comparable where they stand getting their feet underneath them, coaching staff, new players, new foundation, new philosophy. Uh, and then you're going to have a couple tough non-conference games. You know, we play Miami, you guys play Washington. Um, just really see where the team stands going into Big Ten play. And then I don't know what Michigan schedule looks like for crossover. Michigan State's a little bit easier. And so you know I'm happy with seven to five, six to six. Give me to a playoff game. Give me to a bowl game. Excuse me. 
All yeah. right. Do they still have the B-dubs bowl? No. No. Ah, it's tough. You go. And we can all agree on, we have to play Miami and Washington's of the world because Notre Dame's so scared of both of our schools, they won't play us anymore. So chop those losers. The last time we played them, they spanked us. <laughs> but they sp- Notre Dame spanked us the last time we played them. <laughs> we just played like 14 or 17. I remember Brian Lorkey had like a 60-yard touchdown run, but that was like it. That's, I'd love to, I'm going to watch that after this. I just want to see that guy run Tom, 60 it was yards. Fox, primetime on Fox. Oh, it was you a night game. Was a, Michigan played Purdue yeah. that day. It was the hottest day of my life. Well, I remember. Yeah, it was miserable to tailgate, you know? Yeah. The big picture segment is kind of tough because I really just want to drop a bomb, you know, of like lofty projections. But I do kind of want to tease the audience to say that for next week when we're really in the weeds with it and I do more research. But I guess I'm going to close what I wanted to get out of this segment is that as I've said before in like college basketball, when we're talking about the tournament or the Big Ten Championship, desperation is something in sports, specifically college sports, that you cannot fake. And when someone's desperate, usually good results happen from that. I'm going to leave it at that. Or extremely negative results happen. I think it's one or the other. I disagree. I think it even applies to the NFL when a team starts off the season 1-3 as a scrappy underdog. Look for them to have the performance of their life against the favorite. Uh, my closing thoughts, just to get the people riled up. Uh, I think the better coach, better motivator, the guy you want leading your team is in East Lansing and not in Ann Arbor. And I think it's pretty obvious. And our guys coached uh, yeah, did you see Jim seven pu- games. see Jim push that sled, though? Speaking of like appearance, I said, speaking of appearance, Jim is looked the best he has in four years. Again, makes me feel a little bit better. I said what I said. Shout I out to Coach Harbaugh for getting in shape. Good for you, Jim. Closing statements: uh, College football is basically back, and this saga of who's better, Michigan, between Michigan State, is going to go on for a while, and it's going to only help us. Yeah. podcast yeah, stay personally. tuned for more content <laughs> i cannot wait till the like week of that game we've never had one as a podcast it's probably going to be awesome halloween weekend i'm just hoping both teams are pretty solid at that point no big injuries i will not i will not uh oh yeah of course no injuries I just want everyone to be fully healthy so you don't have any excuses after the game same to you there I, I'll, I'll go on that. I hope both teams are good. I hope it's like a big-time game. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to? I'll take that. Game? I won't go to the extreme where like, I hope there's a dumpster fire in East Lansing. I, I'm not that kind of guy. I hope it's a great game. I want to see everyone's best. Our potential guest next week, he is that guy. Teaser. <laughs> um, you wrote his name. Congrats to U.S. Amateur Champion. How do you pronounce it? I think it's Piat. James. Piat. Piat. Like the Fiat. James Piat. Evan the pronunciation. I thought guy. it was Piat, but I could be wrong. Well, I don't think he'll care. Did you just watch the match? I watched all of it. I didn't have the volume on. Sweet putter. That last putt to save the par to force a kid to make the birdie was it nails. That's basically the it was, it was great. First player ever from the state of Michigan. And uh, when those get released of polos, you guys will be matching uh, one college football day in the fall, I assume. You guys will both all be wearing them, those. Because I won't ever take it off. <laughs> okay. It was a sweet polo, though.
Yeah. Um, but yes, congrats where it's due. We will close out the show with the plug for our social accounts at shout out MS on everything except for TikTok. That's fully spelled out shout out Michigan sports. Um, the Gmail is shout Michigan sports at gmail.com. Socials are the best place. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Social are best for video clips, uh, where to interact with us with comments or any DMs. Emails are best for any business questions or advertisements. How to listen to this, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, depending on where you're listening. Please um, rate the podcast five stars. Review the podcast kindly. Uh, Evan, oh, look at Evan. <laughs> I just look up and Evan's got like, Emojis going on. Um, leave reviews, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Download it, share the link with a friend. Really helps because that's the best way to grow this thing is by word of mouth, sharing it with a friend because it'll take it more than like a retweet or something. Um, and then again, submit any questions or topics you want discussed on any of those platforms because then it makes the show more interactive and it's better for everyone else. Without With all that being said, cheers to the end of episode 34. and specifically to the fact that we drafted Cade Cunningham over Jalen Green from me. Cheers to uh, Drew's Reviews review. It's a good review on Apple. Do the same as him. Cheers to Michigan State being a golf school. Golf school. <laughs>